Well, good morning, Community Church. Let's start to prepare the ground for what the Lord wants to do today. Today, these altars are going to be wide open from the start. So, Father, this morning we come into the house of God, and we say that you are worthy of praise. We say that you are amazing. We say that you are awesome. And today we choose to put aside all those things that would hold us down. We choose to cast them aside, and we choose to say yes to you. We choose to give you all of our worship. We choose to give glory to your name. We choose to honor you, and we choose to love you. In Jesus' name. Can we do that this morning? So let's honor the Lord. Let's go and worship. For 2,000 years, the church has been praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just a pipe dream. That's a reality that will engulf the earth. And when I think about heaven coming to the earth, I go, of course, to those depictions of heaven that are in the scripture. And one in particular from Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 says this, And I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued, I mean shot out, and came forth from him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Tens of thousands. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were open. The goal that God has is that the regard that heaven holds for the ancient of days would fill the earth. That the same reverence, that the same abandonment, the same attention that is given to him who sits on the throne would be given to him on the earth. And so when we think about what's across the earth, we think of the complete disregard of Christ. We think of the those who curse his name, those who pour out vile and bitterness against the name. And then we think of those who have a fear, have a regard. But then we think of those whose lives are abandoned, who are given to him and careful, with careful scrutiny, measured in humility and praise and worship, the fear of the Lord dominating their existence and praise and worship and adoration and careful, careful attention given to him. The whole range of expressions are in the earth and I want you to ask yourself, Lord, in this, in this spectrum of possible expressions from the least, from the places of the earth where it's entirely absent to the highest places where praise and fullness of heart is poured out with abandonment. Where do I sit in the spectrum of worship as compared to what is in heaven? Where do I fit in the spectrum in my capacity to give you glory, in my capacity to give you praise? How much consideration do I give to you in a moment of praise and worship? How much does the fear of the Lord guard my heart? What things dictate the posture of my praise? Do I lay it all out for you? Am I considering my dignity? Am I considering my appearance in the eyes of people around me? Or am I lost in abandonment before the throne, the eternal greatness of him who sits above the circle of the earth? Where is my praise? Am I ready for heaven? Oh God, great is your name. Come on. There's a scripture, there's a line from scripture that talks about perfected praise. Perfected praise. Lord, we long to offer you perfected praise. Uh, and I, I, 
I just see places in the earth where perfected praise is being formed. And it's like one of those sci-fi movies where a beam of light is coming up from the earth. Coming up from the earth and shooting into the heavens and reaching the throne of God. And the synergy between heaven and earth that's established through perfect praise, we declare, is coming to the earth. And around that beam of perfect light will come an alignment to the nations. As he who sits on the throne (laughs) becomes the center and focal point of the earth as well as the heavens. Oh, God. Father, we pray, give us grace to be part of this army. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, he's ready for Mark. Way to go, Nathan. This is, uh, this is Nathan's first time at uh, doing announcements. You know, he's in Bible college training, and, uh, you know, doing announcements may not seem to be a significant part of, uh, of ministry, but, you know, just mustering the courage to stand in front of people and talk is a significant threshold. I've, I've written down today, which is unusual, I've written down probably uh, 10 different passages, each with about eight verses in them. And my temptation is to read them all because they're so absolutely fantastic. If you're not reading the Bible, come on. You, you, don't, know, you don't know what you're missing, right? Uh, not reading the Bible. Uh, my goodness, how, how do I? The Bible is more than information. It is life. The truth. Now, obviously, you, you, there still needs to be revelation, you know, because you can read the letter of the word and not get the life that's in it. But, uh, but the, there, is, there is so much wisdom and understanding and heavenly value. There's something that is in the word of God that feeds your souls, that feeds us in significant ways. And so, Father, I just pray today that even as I share that, uh, uh, God, you would fill this place with a fresh hunger for your word. God, that we would begin to absorb it and that, Lord, you would uh, align our thoughts, align our thinkings, align the passions of our being to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, uh, yesterday we were driving home, Derek and I, and uh, we were chatting about a few things. And uh, I, I was... I had just come out of course, you know, about, I don't know, seven hours of teaching and speaking. And so, despite being tired, my spirit was flowing with revelation. And, uh, and I began to think of the value of wisdom. The value of wisdom. And so I'm going to try and bridge some things here today. Because part of the question we have to answer is like, what are we doing here? Like, what, what is church about? What are we, why are we worshiping? What's going on? You see, uh, there are things going on that, that, that are more than what meets the eye. Did you, did you know that? There are certain realities, things that are happening to you in the course of the journey that you may not realize or even see. Now, in the natural, we got a leg up, right? We got this sense. I mean, when, when, a, when a young man, for example, reaches 13 years old, Right? Things start to happen in your body. Some of them good, some of them scary. But, you know, I remember being about 15 and one day noticing that this guy I knew, maybe it was 14, I don't know, I can't remember, but this guy I knew all of a sudden had developed muscles. And I, I thought, what happened to him? Like, like, he was just like a skinny kid last year. Like, where'd he get those shoulders? And my, my, my brother... My brother says to me, well, he, I, I, I was talking to him. He's been going to the gym. And I thought, what? You mean, uh, mean you can do something to expedite this process? <laughs> like, I, I, that was a revelation. I was like, what do you mean? What, what, what is he doing? Well, he, he's doing these exercises where with his shoulders where he's pushing weight. So that's where this development is coming. And I thought, holy smokes. You mean I could do that on purpose? <laughs> and it was, it was an epiphany for me 
that because I was in sports, I'd play in hockey, and I was hoping I'd get stronger, but I didn't realize, I just hadn't made the connection. I was a little slow, you know, in, in realizing that, that this stuff happens. But, but there comes a time when visible changes related to maturity start to appear in your body, and, and then you realize on top of that, you can actually expand these newfound capacities, and so what happens, though, is as you work out and as you train and as you do those things, not only do you get better, you get physical dexterity and your skills with a hockey stick or whatever sport you're playing start to increase, but there, there is a reflection of added value in terms of your body. You know, something actually visually starts to change. And, uh, and, of course, because of that, because we acknowledge and we see the change, we become, like I was, more invested in the process. Because, you know, it's, I'm not just pouring, you know, water into, the, into a hole here. That, that some, I get a return for this. There's a return. Let me tell you, when you invest in your spiritual life, there's a return. When you do the things that are in the scripture, when you die to yourself, when you pick up your cross, when you forgive instead of hate, when you come to church and worship, when you make yourself low and make him higher, when you deny your own dignity and make yourself uncomfortable by pouring out your heart, something is added to you more than embarrassment, right? You know, because this is what happens. Like sometimes, and I've heard this, you know, with, with people who, who there's an atmosphere and they, they go beyond what they're comfortable and then they feel like an idiot later. Like, like that guy went to a party and danced with a shade on his head. You know, but we were doing the spiritual version. I don't know what happened to me. I got caught up. I lost myself and I'm up there banging sticks on the ground and yelling. You know, later I'm regretting it all. <laughs> because, because there's no sense that anything is gained. There's no, there's no sense that anything's happening. But I'm telling you, something's happening. Something is happening. And so this is the problem with Esau, right? Esau, we know Esau and Jacob. Jacob saw value where Esau did not see value. Esau was a man of the earth and he was, he, was, he was a buff guy. He was a hunter, you know, a hairy man bringing the food home. And, you know, he could shoot a, throw a spear and shoot a bow like nobody's business. I mean, he could hit a rabbit between the eyes at 400 feet or something like, you know, just, I mean, he was, he was a man's man. But he had no regard for the ethereal. He had no regard for the supernatural. And this thing that was called a birthright, he, he didn't see the, the benefit of that. No, he saw the benefit of the blessing. The blessing of being the eldest guy means you get half, twice as much as the next in terms of inheritance. Like, I want the blessing. The birthright, I have no idea what that is. Right? But the birthright was the better part of inher- his inheritance, but he couldn't see it. Because it's intangible. It's, it's intangible, and this is our problem, that there are things to be gained, but they're intangible. We don't realize that we're not getting them. But in the same way that people are maturing physically and young men are growing muscles and, and, and uh, you know, we're developing physically and getting taller. Well, I stopped a little short on that. But, you know, people are growing up and, you know, all of these developmental things happen. And, right, spiritually the same thing is happening. But what's, what's happening to you is worth its weight in gold. Because heaven's dominion is preparing a place for those who are being conformed to his image. And what is being prepared is beyond imagination. But if you don't have a sense of the reality of that realm, then when somebody says, let's bless the Lord with all of our heart, you don't see value in that. Let's humble ourselves and worship him with all our strength. We don't see value in that. I'm not going to look like a fool just to make you happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you know, uh, but... So there are all these things that are happening. And so I, I wanted to kind of try to bring a little bit of uh, substance to what is being gained. Because there, are, there, are, there is reward. I mean, I, I was, we were driving home and I was thinking of this. The, the riches or the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. The treasures. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The language betrays uh, 
a, a, a resource, a, a, a fortune that can be gained, yet, yet it's undervalued, underappreciated, and we don't spend any time investing in it because we are enamored with the things of the world, the things that give us uh, short-term gains, the things that give us a moment where somebody says, hey, well done, nice song, you know, or, or you know, good prayer. Like, so we're, we're investing things that are visible, and everybody's investing in something visible. Everybody's looking to attain something. So don't pretend you're not, oh, I don't care about anything. You care about something. Everybody wants a better car, a better house, a better wife. <laughs> better husband. <laughs> right? I know you, you wives are trying to improve your husbands and you husbands are trying to improve your wives. I mean, there's, but, but we, we, we work for what, where we feel there's a, an appropriate investment to be made because the returns are good. What's the return on your investment? What's your ROI, right? Well, the, the best return on investment is these things that we're getting from the Lord. And God wants to give us eyes to see. Even today, I feel like there's a, there's a door open for us to get eyes to see, to begin to appreciate the treasure that's being given to us. That's actually, in spiritual terms, it's tangible. It's absolutely tangible. You know, in the military, when you, when you uh, get a promotion, I was in Air Cadets. You know, it's meaningless, largely. But I tell you, when I got that first little V on my arm, I wore it so proudly. I said, look at me. I'm not a, I'm not a well, I don't know what I was before that, but this is what I am now. Then when I got the double V, I was, I'm a corporal. Look at, hey, you plebeians. Bow. <laughs> you know, and then when I got my sergeants and I got my flight sergeants, now, you know, we, we love these things, right? And in the military, when you get your general thing, like it, it, these things represent uh, a, a, a position in a system that's valued, and those that value it and see it give you regard and respect accordingly. Let me tell you, the establishment, the, the, the realm, the empire of the kingdom of God has enduring positions and dominions and thrones and roles and things are being imparted to you that aren't just titles. They are, there's something that's happening where your very nature is being changed. And the change that's happening in your nature is visibly seen in the spirit realm, but it's not visibly seen in the natural realm. And especially as it pertains to wisdom. You're going to have two people standing right next to you. Come here, Chris. You know, let's pretend that I have no wisdom at all. And Chris, because I, I do have some, I think. But Chris is, I mean, he's on the top scale. He's the wise. He could be Solomon. <laughs> he is so wise. But there's nothing about his appearance <laughs> that would tell you he's wise. Right? Wisdom Wisdom is not reflected in, in how, the size of your nose. Wisdom is not reflected in, in how big your shoulders are or how tall you are. You could be short and extremely wise. <laughs> yeah. it's, right? So, so there are things that are not represented in the natural but are, are substantive in the spiritual. And God wants to give us an appetite for those things because there's something to be gained and there's something to be lost. More than just salvation. See, we, we talk about salvation. Oh, I want to be able to go to heaven. That, that's, that's like, if you were going to graft it out, that's zero. That's point zero. There is a, in it, a whole upside that is absolutely unimaginable beyond that. So when we think of getting your sins forgiven and getting healed from your wounds, your, your wounds are, are physically healed, or all these things that, where there's evidence and there's benefit derived, it's nothing compared. That only gets you to ground zero. The upside on the other side of that is absolutely imaginable. And I'm praying today that God would inspire us to see the value in those things and begin to not see, oh, I gotta go to church today. Oh, I gotta go to this Bible study. Or I gotta give my tithes again. Or I gotta, you know, we, we so begrudgingly do these things because we, and we, be, that we do it begrudgingly because we don't see value. 
Esau gave away his birthright because he didn't see value. Well, here's, here's the picture I got this morning. I, when we were in prayer there, I wasn't even thinking of sharing this, but I, I was, had been reading in Revelations over the last few weeks, and I, there was two, in Revelations 14, it talks about a moment where the harvest, the moment of harvest comes. There's a moment of harvest. What, what is a moment of harvest? That, that means it's all over, it's game over. You know, whatever, however you've grown to that point, at harvest time, you, the, the sickle is put in and the harvest is yielded, right? It is, the harvest is pull in, pulled in at that point. Now, you may realize if you're a gardener that not all the tomatoes are the same size, Right? But you, when you get to that place and you know there's going to be a frost tonight, you're picking all those tomatoes regardless of their size. Right? But, but they've grown at, at different rates because of the conditions or, you know, other circumstances. And those are, those are not really important circumstances. But the same reality, the same reality is there for your life. That God has planted a seed inside of you. Think about this. God put a seed inside of you, and it's the seed of the Word of God. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. That means, that means, I mean, let me, let me, let me, let me, here's a good time to go to a scripture. Let me see if I can find this. I've got so many scriptures here. But in Revelations, in Revelations, yes, Revelations, Proverbs, Proverbs, Proverbs. Maybe I didn't even put it down. Oh my goodness, I didn't. In Revelations, somebody, somebody looked up for me that description of Jesus in Revelations chapter one, I think it is, where, where John, uh, well, uh, yeah, but it, it starts to describe Jesus. Somebody have it, Revelations chapter one. I thought I had it there. You got it there, Chris? It's in the Bible, New Testament. <laughs> you know the description John is brought into this description and we see Jesus and the language you know his hair is like wool and his 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 feet like a burnished bronze flaming fire and and uh when it talks about the the him who sits on the throne and in Daniel it says that he's he's dwelling in an unapproachable light and that uh, there's a brilliance and of course the biblical writers of those days all the, the the brightest thing they know is the sun and stars you know they don't have any of the technological you know, 3D imagery of modern filmmaking with all the special effects and the fantastic things that you would be found there. But this is what it says. And in the midst of the, uh, he's, he's caught up. It says, in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded around his chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. I mean, these these are ancient descriptors of something that's unfathomably powerful, and if you were caught up today and you saw Jesus, your language would be infinitely different. You would be borrowing from some of the imagery and some of the language, the cosmic language that, we, that technology and those things have brought to us and pictures of, of constellations and the brightness of light and rainbows that come from the, you know, those pictures from a satellite peering out into space. I mean, the immensity we see is absolutely amazing. This is Jesus and, and behind that, behind that image that is awesome is, is all the wisdom, all the treasures, all of those things that is him, unfathomable. Well, listen, when you got born again, he took a seed and the seed is the DNA of him. That's right. yeah. Listen, the, D, the, the seed is the DNA of the word of God. There's unimaginable potential in that seed. When you became born again, you know this objective that we're just going to heaven, I just need to make it to heaven? Lift up your eyes. 
Lift up your eyes. We are called to transformation. I'm telling you, there are things that are available, things that are being nurtured into you, things that are being curated by the presence of God in your life that will bring an, an, an amazing yield of godliness and authority and dominion in the afterlife. It's more than getting, avoiding punishment. But here's the thing, that seed is planted in your life, and it, it, it's, it's there, and it's starting to produce. But let me tell you, just like those tomatoes, they're not all producing at the same rate. That seed in your life is not producing at the rate that's dictated by heaven. It's producing at the rate that's dictated by you. What, what, what are the circumstances? What are the environments that you are subjecting that seed to? Uh, did you take that, that, you know, is that, is that pot of earth yours hiding in a closet somewhere, hoping to get bigger? Hoping to grow and develop, hoping to produce some fruit. Well, it's not going to do it in the closet. It's not going to do it hidden away in darkness. It's not going to, you know, it's, it's, going to, it's going to develop, but it's going to develop at a pace that's decided by the things that you're embracing. Huh. Why is this important? Because just like that teenage boy who suddenly realized that he could have shoulders, <laughs> massive shoulders, you know, strength, and he could look like a champion. There is champion power in the seed of that word, and you can grow up into it. And the Bible talks about uh, glorious ones in Jude. He's talking about glorious ones. And many people interpret that to be angelic because, uh, because there's a reference to Satan in there. Well, you know, he's talking about glorious ones and, and, and these, and the, it was, it's a judgment in Jude and he's saying these, these ones are criticizing glorious ones. Do you know who the glorious ones are? They're those whose seed has begun to re- reap a harvest, who b- begin to brought, bring forth the image of the Son of God. In the earth today, there are glorious ones who are becoming glorious because the seed of glory that was planted in them is coming up and is beginning to produce a harvest. But here's the thing. There's no guarantee that that seed is ever going to get past the place of being a shrub. There's no guarantee no guarantee at all. So when we were driving along here yesterday, I was thinking about a man in my life. And I don't, just to, 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 the person's still alive, so I'm not going to say. But when I was a young boy, about five years old, I saw this person. And to me, they were a towering figure. They were many years older than me. And, you know, they, they embodied all the things that I would, uh, in my simple childlike mind would represent maturity you know this this guy was tall and he's manly and he's voice and he babysat us because you know we were kids and you know but I remember thinking that but a number of years later as life would have it I met that man again and uh, that towering figure that he appeared to be in that moment was no longer the case Instead, I'd seen a life that was inundated in sin and brokenness had come to him. And when I, when I began to talk to him, there was a basic faith. There was a basic regard for God and a basic, you know, assent to the scripture. But the substance, the substance of wisdom and the treasure of knowledge and discretion and, uh, and, uh, and all of the things that, are, are, that, that come with wisdom were absent from his life. And as I'm thinking about him, I'm thinking this is the result of sin. And this is the intention of Satan to reduce us from what we were as we could be glorious ones. Whereas we could be like kings. That the heaven is waiting for the sons to mature because God has an infinite number of thrones and dominions to place us in authority. The problem with the kingdom of God is there's not enough good people. And so God's combing the earth. His eyes are looking for those who are given to him fully so that he can increase them. Now, there's a, there's a picture. Uh, when I think of that guy, I think of some of the people I've met along the road. I was in some third world nations in recent years where the gospel has not become rooted and where people, as I remember driving down the streets and looking at people and in every physical, every, every single way you can imagine, they were shriveled. 
They were absolutely shriveled. They were reduced to a meager nothing. They were just a shell of humanity with empty black eyes and, and, and a low level of capacity for anything. And I, when I looked at that, I thought, this is the plan of Satan. But the word of God can turn us into champions. Throw those, that photo up there of the king. I can't remember what the... Uh, what the, uh, the name of this figure is. But this is from the, the, the Little Mermaid. And this is the king, right? He's, he's majestic, he's powerful, and, and he exudes glory. And I mean, when he, when he has his little sword thing there, which is actually a, a, some kind of trident. Yeah, yeah, trident. It's not gum. <laughs> his trident, you know, when it issues power, it represents this glorious thing. But the movie shows this depiction of what he was and then he became something else because he came under sorcery. Show us the other picture. And this is a picture of what the enemy intends for our lives. He became this shriveled little scared nymph, a captive of the enemy and reduced to the very smallest uh, infinitesimal expression of intelligence and courage i mean there was he was reduced to almost nothing this these is this is what hangs in the balance for us the enemy is seeking to cause you to become this when he looks at mankind he sees nothing he has nothing but contempt for humanity and he, he's jealous and he's angry that he's been replaced with this because this is how he sees us. But how God sees us is, listen, you have the potential of to rise to, the, to being a king, to being a majestic one in the earth, to being a glorious one. Do you realize what is being made available to you? See, but it's all hid from our eyes and we have to take it by faith. Take it by faith. But you know what? There is a point in your life where faith becomes sight. There's a point in your life where, where the, the invisible powers of the age to come begin to be discernible to you. Where you begin to feel and the surging of the infinite power of the kingdom of God at work inside of you. Man. Oh, Lord Jesus. But I was thinking... I was thinking about, uh, actually, let me finish this other analogy because here's the thing. We are on a journey and God has put a seed in you and that seed has germinated. You become born again. And, uh, but you haven't, we haven't necessarily realized the full potential of that seed. We haven't necessarily become those powerful overcomers. That's why Revelation is to him that overcomes, right? To him that overcomes. Well, it's, you know, I just got to push, I got to wait around longer. No, no, it's more than that. Overcoming is not waiting for heaven and still maintaining a moral compass. It's way more significant than that. Overcoming means, means that the developmental phases where the enemy would try to keep you as that little nymph or whatever it is, you know, you have, you have grown up into the image of him. That's overcoming. You see, there, there is this correlation in the spirit realm where when you gain something through suffering, through a trial, through overcoming, through dying to yourself, through apprehending a promise, through beginning to believe, beginning to see the unctions of heaven flow through you, that, that it is tangibly, physically, in a real way represented in the spirit, but it's not in the natural. In the same way that physically when you've worked out, you start to get bigger muscles in the spirit. When you begin to acquire the wisdom of heaven, something is added to your being that heaven sees. Did you hear what I'm saying? And when I, when I talked to this man, I thought, I thought how terrible that he would be reduced to this simple like his knowledge of the kingdom and the mystery of God was at the very basis level and I I could hardly even have a conversation because there's no possible way he could comprehend any of the things I would talk about this is not what we're called to getting to heaven just being saved and holding on until we you know don't go to hell that that is such minimalistic thinking and so far below the potential of your calling. I'm looking at glorious ones in the making. 
I'm looking at overcomers. I'm looking at champions. I'm looking at ones in whom God has invested the entire potential of everything that he has. He is saying, listen, the inheritance that I've put in place and reserved for my son, thrones and dominions and power and glory for eternity, I am willing to share it equally with you. But it's not just a title that you get for sitting in church for 40 years. It's something you are changed into. (laughs) And every time you say no to your flesh, every time you humble yourself, every time you forgive when you are abused, every time you put down negative thoughts, something is being added to you that's concrete in the spirit. But here's, here's the tragic reality that when the harvest comes, you get what you get. Now God has appointed, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can have in eternity. And be, some people don't like this. Some think people would rather live in this egalitarian world where we all get the same thing. We all get a white robe and a harp, right? You know, the, you know this idea that we're getting different things, that's, that's offensive to them. Because why? Because they haven't really prepared themselves. No, I, I want to get some for that. I want a socialist system where we all get the same misery. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the, the, the heaven's system may not be entirely capitalistic, but it is a meritocracy. When, when somebody is uh, overcome, they're given 10 cities. And when somebody is overcome a little bit less, they're given five cities. That your, your metron of authority is equal to the stature that you've come to. There's something to be gained. Can you hear me? There's something to be gained. More than the approval of the pastor because you did the right thing. Wow. I'm saying this because one day we're all going to wake up. Esau had his wake-up call and it was too late for him to realize what he had gotten. And even at the end, I don't think he regarded the birthright, but he regarded the blessing because it was natural. And that's where he was, but that's where many of us are. You know, we want the improvements of life that come through the blessing of God. But the birthright has to do with eternal metrons of authority. But here's here's the thing. In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) when beings are endued with authority, the endowments, those things... It's not just a title that somebody, you know, looking for a little mark on their shoulder. Their beings are invested with the representations of that power. Like angels, there are angels, one that stands on one foot in the ocean and one, I mean, this is a big angel. His authority is represented in in what, what you see. In him, in the same way that God on the throne is majestic and all these amazing descriptors make him out to be absolutely phenomenal. Everything in order in the kingdom of God has spiritual substance to it. But when the harvest time has come and when your life is over, wherever you've come to is what you live with for eternity. Whatever moments of selfishness you decided you were going to play with, whatever contempt you had for people that you didn't deal with, whatever jealousies that you harbored and never dealt with, none of that. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. All of those things, all those, those uh, eggs, will, what do the chickens come home to roost? <laughs> yeah. huh. There is more than the assent of our fellow believer, the, the praise that comes from somebody that says, give you that little pat on the back, says, oh, well done, thanks for, thanks for being a judge at the chili cook-off. I mean, those are great, but you know, isn't it amazing how much regard we have for human praise? Father, Father, I don't know what it is, but 
It's like something has been awakened in me when I was in Helsinki and in the fires of this have churned in my heart here, but I want to read uh, some scriptures because I was thinking about particularly about wisdom because as I was thinking about this person in particular, I was thinking about the lack of wisdom, the lack of insight, the lack of prudence, the lack of discretion, the lack, you know, when Paul talks about his exalted role in the kingdom, he, he conveys it through this language, the, the extent of my insight or the, my revelation into the mystery. The extent of my revelation into the mystery of Christ is the representation of my authority in the kingdom of heaven. There is unfathomable wisdom, layers of knowledge and understanding, eyes to see and ears to hear that are available and define you. This is why, this is why, and I I wrote down many scriptures here, and I, I won't probably read them all, but listen to this, listen to this, and catch the heart of what is being offered. This is Proverbs. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, for she will preserve her, preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor, and when you embrace her, you will, she will place on your head an, an armament of grace, an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. What is this? Why, why is this? Is this just, you know, poetic language? No, it's more than poetic language. There is real treasure and real reward connected to divine wisdom. Jesus has made us to, unto us wisdom and righteousness. In him is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When you acquire those revelations of wisdom, and they're not easily and simply dismissed, they are given by merit to people who have laid down, who have, who have said like Paul, what was, what was important to me before I consider as dung in order that I may increase the excellency in the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. The excellency of the knowledge. There's gold here. There's every time I, I, I gain something, I am, I am coming into the, to increase in the system, the only system that matters, the system of God's Commendation. Wow. It's available. It's not, it's not dictated upon what I see. It's not dictated upon what your neighbor sees or understands. These things are being nurtured and are growing in secret away from the eyes, uh, the prying eyes and the praising eyes of others around it. And that's part of the test. Can you do what you need to do in secret can you do it away without recognition, without the, the praise, without the, the, the bolstering words that others would give you that give you that, oh, wow, somebody, somebody, somebody complimented my muscles. I'm going to work out twice as hard this week. <laughs> right? You see how that provides an impetus for us? But there's treasures here. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And find out knowledge and discretion. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of the saints, then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to you, to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Man, I want some of that. I want some of that. Come on. Lord God, he says, if you cry out, if you seek for her as silver, do you cry out? Have we, do we even know how to cry out? Do we value this 
Do we really value this? What price would you be willing to pay to become the, the, the CEO of the corporation down the road that you eye, you know, or, or be the top producer in your office or, or become a general in the army? You know, whatever those things, those physical, tangible, you know, levels of, of, of accomplishment, how they're represented in wealth and position and title. We give so much to those, but God has said, listen, if you only knew what was available. Oh, Christians, it's more than just avoiding hell. If you only knew what was available. I want to change you. I want to add dimensions of weight to your words. I want to change your being. I want to redefine you. I want you to be a carrier of my glory. I think it's worth it. And this is what Paul is. The sufferings are not worthy to be compared. Just Just that little murmur. You know that little murmur, that little sense of it's not fair and woe is me and I'm so hard done by and Jesus dying on the cross to get his inheritance and Paul being whipped so many times and abused and hungry and cold and traveling and left alone and betrayed and all that. And he says the, the, the suffering, the cost is not even worthy to be compared to what I've gained here. Let's deal with that self-pity. Let's deal with that murmuring. Let's deal with that complaining spirit. Oh. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. I keep getting this picture. In the same way, we don't do this as civilians, but in the military you do this when you have an accomplishment. When you, when you go to a, a theater of war and you compete and you fight and you risk your life and you come back, they give you something that represents. And so then when you go on parade, you carry with you your rank, but you carry with you all of the accomplishments of your military career in terms of medals and all those things. And, and when, we, when we live in that world, we parade in those things quite proudly because they, they represent our sacrifices and the things we have invested ourselves in. I'm telling you that right now the God of glory has crowns. The God of glory has rubies and gems and sapphires in which are stored glorious power and they are being fastened to your chest. They are being fastened to the epaulets of your shoulder as you transcend the trials and the challenges of life that something in the spirit that's visible that heaven we'll see in regard for eternity that these things will never be taken away. The system of promotions that we have here, they fade, they become nothing. If you can become the vice president to the assistant secretary of the traveling companion, you know, it's nothing compared to these roles. And you think, well, I'm not so selfish as to do it for reward. Well, then you're a fool. Because there's no such thing in the kingdom as non-reward. And everything is measured in reward. Everything is measured in reward. (laughs) You only have to read your Bible. That false humility that says, oh, I'm not really... You are too. (laughs) Unfathomable spiritual stretcher and strength. Our very beings are being transformed into his likeness, in degrees and in layers. So Father, help us. And you could, you could read all the others. I mean, there's, I got so many here, but This is what it says in Daniel. I'll read this and then we'll close. Daniel 12, verse 1 to 3. And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble 
such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn away many to righteousness, or those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Again, I go back to that scripture in Jude where Jude is writing and Peter echoes that same condemnation. He said the war, the, the attacks in the church, the division, it's, it's attacking glorious ones. And the glorious ones are not demonic principalities. They're men and women who are becoming glorious by virtue of a seed of glory that was planted in them is creating and changing their nature from inside to outside. And what you gain cannot be taken away. So, Father, we say, Lord, awaken the appetite for more of you, O God. God, change, shift our value system. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, cause us to realize, Lord, what is is hanging in the balance for us even at this time, we pray. O God, in Jesus' name. I want the band to come back and I want us to do a song and... and, uh, you know, I don't want to pray for people today. We're going to have the prayer team forward, but I want us to, to say, oh God, you know, with all, with all the strength you can muster, with the fullness of heart that you can, you can pull together, pulling on all the cords of your heart, cry out to God for wisdom. Cry out to God to, for a value system that enables you to lay everything else down for the value that is before us. Oh, God, Father, help us catch this today. Help us catch this today, I pray. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Father, we say today, Lord, we say let let the tyranny of the accuser be broken off of our lives. Father, let the spirit of hopelessness and the cords of shame that lock us into despondence and passivity be broken off today. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, ignite, ignite, ignite revelation. You know, when the Bible says that faith is a substance of things hoped for, it makes concrete and real Those things that your mind can only perceive dimly through a a dark glass. It causes these realities that we're talking about to become as tangible as everything else in your life. Father, may faith rise in us, God, that enables us to perceive you as never before. Oh, God, let transformation begin to settle down on our lives. Let transformation settle down on your life. Transformation, 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 breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for the destiny that you've made possible for each and every one of us. Father, we don't want to fall short of it, not one iota. Lord, awaken us. God, give us that push. Give us that impulse. Father, have mercy on your people, Lord. God, in this season, Father, we say in Jesus' name, God bless you all. Have a great week. Love one another. 